Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Talking Tolkien. This week, we are talking about Chapter 3 of Fellowship of the Ring, The Ring Goes South. Chapter 3 of Book 2, specifically. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Thank you, Katie. (laughs) So we're going to start off, as we always do, with Today in Middle-Earth. After that will be our usual recap of the text. And at the end of the show will be our favorite things, both in this week's reading and in this week of our lives. So thank you for tuning in. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. All right, Katie, do you want to take it away with Today in Middle-Earth? Yeah, so Today in Middle-Earth, it's November 19th, and once again, our Today in Middle-Earth comes from The Hobbit. So, uh, you know, the past couple weeks we've been trying to open the hidden door, and then finally we did open the door. So now we're kind of at the point where Thorin has been around all of this treasure, and is starting to become obsessed and starting to kind of feel the effects of this dragon sickness yeah obsession with the treasure uh and another side note the battle of the five armies is just a few days away it uh we better get ready yeah we better get ready (laughs) (laughs) which army will you be fighting on i'm just going to be bayorn like i'm gonna come in late and do my own thing Wait, did Bayorn alone count as an army? No. He <laughs> no. Was, <laughs> he was more like the Marquis de Lafayette. Like, he was kind of an agent on behalf of another army. Right. Uh, so that was our, yeah, that's that's today in Middle-earth. All right. And last chapter was really dense. Let's unpack it a little mm-hmm. bit. It was right. the Council of Elrond in which everything that has ever happened was rehashed. Mm-hmm. And then some. And it was also kind of, we can think of it as like almost a political meeting between all of the free peoples of Middle Earth, sort of. Well, not yeah, so much everybody... political, I would say, is like diplomatic. Well, yeah, diplomatic. Yeah, that's that's what I was going for. Um, where everyone kind of figures out what exactly is going on and where their kind of part in the story has come, come in. Uh, and yeah, f- so finally everyone kind of understands where where they stand and what's been going on and particularly Frodo and Bilbo's information was the most like uh the most of a, of a revelation for uh the council yes yeah it because was, it was Bilbo had basically just not told his story to anybody right it was an awesome chapter. That's, right. that's my summation of it. It was just awesome. <laughs> but, and then, of course, also very importantly, near the end, uh, we decide that the ring needs to go to Mordor and be destroyed. And who volunteers but, of course, our Bilbo. little friend, Mr. <laughs> At first, Bilbo did. It was like, it'd be poetic. It'd be great. And everyone's like, no, 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 no. You're done here. But You're but billion. anyway, Frodo volunteers to take the ring to Mordor. And of course, Sam says he's going too. Because oh, yeah. even and though Sam was, like, was not even up. invited to this meeting, you cannot separate <laughs> Sam from Frodo. Yep. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien, and we hope you are enjoying the show. Just taking a moment to announce that we have started a newsletter. It's just going to be a way for us to send out some Tolkien-related news we see, uh, you know, share links and stuff like that. So we're going to aim for a bi-weekly newsletter. You can sign up at TalkingTolkien.com slash sign up. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So at the end of last chapter, they decide that they're sending a contingent to Mordor to destroy the ring, but we don't really know what it's going to be other than Frodo. And there's this hint that it's going to be more than that. So when we pick up uh, at chapter three, uh, it's just later that day after the, after the council. Right. And so now, previously, we had a pretty, pretty big, important meeting with several big, important people there. And now I like, we, we start this chapter oh. off with a Hobbit meeting, kind all of. All the Hobbits had a meeting, <laughs> and they're all going, man, why does Sam get to go? But, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I especially, of course, love how, how Pippin kind of throws in that uh, they need someone with intelligence uh, <laughs> in the party. And then I equally love Gandalf's response to that, that, well, then surely you will not be chosen. Yeah. <laughs> that was my first, that was my first flag. Oh, well, 
It was it was Pippin who said that. For some reason, I thought it was Mary for about a brief second. But no, yeah. That's that's a total Pippin thing to say. <laughs> well, and so they're they're annoyed that Sam snuck in and like is being rewarded for the fact that he cheated effectively. Right, right. <laughs> they're kind of going like, no, he was totally being punished because this is going to be a horrifying trek into god knows where mm-hmm. into the mouth of hell to mm-hmm. drop a small ring into it to defeat a dark lord and it's like we'll be punishment if we sat around here <laughs> um. well and also also they're like you know we've we've been with you so far mr frodo uh and we've we've seen some pretty intense stuff and we're still here and we want to we want to continue on that and what's great is they're talking about like the logistics you know like we're not going to be leaving immediately because Elrond is trying to figure out like a master plan, which means that we're going to be leaving in the middle of winter. And Bilbo... also, also we need to uh, find out more about the Black Riders because you know, as Gandalf explains, the Black Riders are not gone; um, they were washed away, and uh, their, their horses died in, in the yes. flood. But you can't you can't kill a ringwraith that way. No, but they're clean now. <laughs> and so Bilbo says, you know, like Frodo is kind of whining about the prospect of leaving in winter. And Bilbo says, well, it's your fault, Frodo, for leaving on my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why your idea of honoring my birthday was giving bag end to the Sackville Bagginses. <laughs> Which was another just great. I I have said it before and I'll probably say it again. I really love Bilbo in old age. I just think he's even more like... More- ornery yeah and, yeah, and, and snappy <laughs> i just like this whole aspect. does he have so, pockets full of magically refilling butterscotches <laughs> <laughs> I, I like how they, they spend this time they they kind of like scout out the area elrond sends some elves to go scout around the area they mm-hmm. find the dead horses left over mm-hmm. uh they find but but there was a source of this moment where it said it's been like two months where they're in Rivendell where I was realizing, okay, previously on our little section where we do the On This Day in Middle Earth, I've been very curious as to why November and most of October have been kind of or yeah, November has just been like bare. Like mm-hmm. we, you've not been mentioning that. Now I know why, because mm-hmm. all they were doing was being in Rivendell, also, doing nothing. Also, I'm not telling you things that happen after this story yet. So. I, I, <laughs> I, I got that, but it's just been But like, yeah, but the, yeah, exactly. The time period where, and this is so great about reading this book now, is we're like in, it's almost in real time and we're about to catch up with them because mm-hmm. like for a while there we were kind of like ahead of them, I guess. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to be ahead of yeah. So well, and I mean, right, part of the right reason now, they, well, part yeah. of the reason they have to stay is because Frodo is like still getting better. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, Frodo and had one of a, the sc- a pretty big ordeal. And one of the scouts that goes out is Aragorn, and Aragorn's gone for the full two months. As are El Rohir and El Eladon. Eladon. Thank right. you. Eladon. I like the name you know, I'm going to name, I'm going to have two sons and I'm going to name them Jonah and Joseph. Oh, wait, that's not actually kind of, that's not very weird. Wait, what? What? No, that's not weird I was weird thinking at all. like how, I was trying to like, you know, name your kids with the first two letters of your name. Oh, oh, a lot of CHs for me. A lot of like Chelsea's and Charlie's and Chuck. No, that's, that's <laughs> gross. That's gross. That's not a, mm. why would you do that? Especially if you're Elrond and you're you've got E L, what I mean you're you're literally making up names at that point, so Well, they all mean <laughs> something. But anyway, uh we also have Gandalf kind of tells Frodo he thinks he'll come with him on on this quest, which of course is is Frodo is overjoyed to hear because of course he wants Gandalf with him. Uh but of course at the same time, he reminds him that nothing is set in stone and really we're waiting for Elrond to give us. Well, we also have Gandalf tells Frodo at this time that I'm, I think I may come with you, which Frodo is overjoyed to hear because, of course, he wants Gandalf with him. But at the same time, Gandalf kind of says, don't get too excited because, again, this is all depending on what Elrond says. Um Elrond is good, Elrond is wise, Elrond will tell us what to do. <laughs> and El- Elrond does make a decision about who's going to go, which I actually, I kind of read that going, well, 
I mean, obviously the people who are there kind of like the, the, that were picked seem to be like, yeah, we'll totally go. But I had this moment of like, it seems kind of, seems for a minute that it was like, it seemed kind of weird being like drafted into this in a way. <laughs> yeah. Way, way to delegate Gandalf. That's all I can say. But I also think that at the same time, uh, everyone who was there at the Council of Elrond would have willingly gone. And also this thing started, starts with, Elrond giving like a big speech, but yeah. we'll get onto that here in a second. I mean, yeah. But he basically picks. He picks like, well, Sam and Frodo are obviously going. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gandalf should definitely go, mm-hmm. and then Aragorn has to well, go. So then, so after he names Gandalf, he says he he makes this nice comment, which I really like, and it's oh, that the yeah. rest of the fellowship will represent the the free peoples of Middle Earth, uh, or the free peoples of the world. You got elves, you got dwarves, you and got men. men. Yeah. So yes, I do find it interesting that he chooses like a Mirkwood elf to represent the elves. Well, again, it's back to that whole thing of you got the west, you got your southwest, your southeast, you got your you got your south. You got your, I already did that last week, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> like you got representations, but you of got like your people all from, over the map from everywhere. Yeah. Um, I also think so. You know, because Elrond makes a comment about you know. This is not back in the days when I had a huge army of elves with me. And regardless, we don't want to do that because that would attract too much attention. And the goal of this fellowship will be secrecy because we're trying to discreetly take the ring uh, and and destroy it. So We don't want to make a big deal. We don't want to make this. a big Yeah, so that's why the company is so small. And I also think that... Um, having a Mirkwood elf kind of makes a little bit more sense maybe here. I mean, I guess it is a little more egalitarian mm-hmm. in a sense, mm-hmm. like the Merc, because like the Sendar do kind of belong to Middle Earth more right. than the High exactly. Elves would. Exactly. This is He's like a political operative. He's like, okay, I need somebody from the South to be my running mate <laughs> so I can get elected. It's when um, you're this old, you've played the game, so you know what to do. <laughs> yeah, so they, they choose the n- nine to counteract the, the Black Riders, the nine Black Riders. Mm-hmm. And so they choose the three representatives, uh, Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn, mm-hmm. and then Gandalf, Frodo, and Sam, or- and that leaves three... Well, that leaves three left. Then they like say Boromir so- as like... Because they got to go to Miss Tirith. Like someone, wait, hold on. How was it worded again? It was like they well, have to go. It's because Aragorn has to go to Minas Tirith because he's going to reclaim his uh, throne. Right. Um, and Ar- Aragorn says that he, he's going to help Frodo for as long as as, as he possibly can. Anyway, but um, but of course Boromir will would would like to return to Minas Tirith as well. Um, but. Poor, poor Boromir, who's already playing like, oh, like you can come too since you're kind of on the way. <laughs> like he's like second fiddle. <laughs> Bring so, your horn and your shield or whatever. <laughs> so now we're left with two, two left because at this point we have seven in the fellowship. And Elrond kind of thinks, you know, so may- maybe I should send two of my guard because, you know, any, any uh, two of my guard from this city will be a, a huge boon to this company. And... Pippin, of course, instantly argues <laughs> uh, because, you know, he, as they've already discussed with, with Sam and Frodo, they want to go. They've been along this this way and they, they don't want to leave Mr. Frodo now. And uh, Elrond's like, I was totally going to send you guys back to the Shire <laughs> exactly. as messengers because that whole side doesn't know what's going on, but whatever. You should go it too. So be it. You will go as well. Forget my plan. I'm just like a billion years <laughs> old or something. Well, and then he's like, maybe like Pippin should remain because he's the smallest one. And Pippin's like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, Pippin is not going to be faded out here. I'm small, but I'm fiery <laughs> and smart. You couldn't see like the sassy head wave that I just yeah. did, but I'm pretty sure that Pippin did a sassy head John wave. John did a beautiful sassy head wave. And Elrond probably did one right back because he's Elrond. I... <laughs> so then they reforge the sword of Elendil, and they they it says on its blade was traced seven stars with a crescent moon and the sun and runes for Aragorn, like basically to infuse magic against uh, Mordor, so so Aragorn can lead 
Yeah. So do you remember back in the Silmarillion, there were, and, and even in The Hobbit as well, there's, there are several just wonderful descriptions of magnificent swords. Yes. Right? Oh, yes. And I so will never forget. We get a little hint of that here. And I really love the description of Anduril and how it, it, it's, it, you know, gleams. It was very bright and that there was uh, the light of the sun shone redly in it, which I love so and much. And the moon. Yeah. And the light of the moon shone. Yeah. Quite. That was awesome. That was a great bit because it was that aspect of throwing back to the earlier part of the Silmarillion when it was referencing the sun and the moon as two different uh-huh. be- representations of two different beings. Like, yeah. it was, it threw me back to that. So great. So, so great. So Katie, you've already invoked the name Andoril, which means Flame of the mm-hmm. West. But th- this is the new. This is the name of the reforged sword, right? Not not the original sword. And it says that Aragorn gave it the name. And I want to talk for a second just about like this concept of naming to like kind of renew, mm-hmm. because that's something that's very very like deeply steeped in Tolkien. Yeah. Well, exactly, and because so. Narsil was the name of the sword of Elendil, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, Aragorn has been the keeper of that sword because he's in in that line. Uh, um, and so, absolutely, I totally agree with you that naming is very, very important. Um, Flame of the West, again, this is, he's the last, one of the last line of 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 the, of the men of the west yeah of, of the dunedain and this is absolutely this name flame of the west is a statement on his part well and also in naming it he's evoking the fact that it is a new sword of sorts mm-hmm. for a new age which is very yeah. true because this is basically the end of the third age and also in this chapter we not only see this name sword but another named sword that mm-hmm. we got to see come into prominence in the previous books. So. Yeah, we, we, we got to revisit several old swords in this in this chapter. But yeah, absolutely. I I I, I love the, the renaming. I love the name that he chose, and I like this again, this highlighting on the importance of names. Well, and so what it reminded me of, and I don't mean to like say you know oh lord of the rings is a christian allegory i'm not i'm not here to do that mm-hmm. but it reminded me of in the old testament anytime like you know all the time in the old testament god would just like swoop down and do something then like disappear again yeah. and anytime that happens it talks about you know like and and moses built a t- a, stour, a tower of rocks to mark that site as sacred and I mean, Tolkien was very, very, very clearly writing a prehistory. And it reminded me of this because it's like an action by which somebody like marks their their presence, but also like this kind of important thing. Like somebody knows that something important is mm-hmm. happening and they're marking it as it is happening. Mm-hmm. And then just the name like Flame of the West for a sword also kind of inherently reminds me of the Archangel Gabriel. Well, and it's also taking on the past, the present, and the future at the same time with that name. If you get what I'm saying. Yes. So, mm-hmm. It's like... Sorry, I, I got distracted by the thought of, what would I name a sword that I had? <laughs> uh, but... Uh, Phyllis. Phyllis. <laughs> For some reason, I went to Jawbreaker? I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why, Jawbreaker? Well, that's like a beater and biter. That's what goblins would call it. <laughs> I have something want to name every everything off of like Wonka products but anyway sorry <laughs> so now so oh go ahead <laughs> yeah. I was just going to continue on so uh so, so, I. so we're, we're kind of nearing the beginning of this journey now and the their last several days like the the days Frodo and Sam spend with Bilbo and Bilbo is kind of wanting a little bit of help from Frodo and telling the stories because he's still trying to finish the book. And by night, the hobbits kind of go to the Hall of Fire and they hear all these great stories like the Bay of Baron and Luthien and, you know, other, these grand histories that they can... Just open up the Silmarillion and that (laughs) chapter probably was told at this time, so... And now we have another sort of bequest of a special sword. Uh, Bilbo gives... Frodo, uh, his old sword, Sting. Well, but first he says, 
oh, here is your broken right. sword. I meant to have them repair it. I totally forgot. You've been here for two months. Whatever. Have sting. But no sad. matter, I got you a better one. <laughs> no, no, no. Stabs it in a piece of wood. Right. And then it's like, you can have that one. Like sinks it into a door frame or something. And it's, yeah. So he, our old friend Sting is back now. So I mentioned the description of this knife, like, or the, it's a it's a dagger basically, right? Yeah. yeah. I imagined it for for some reason. I just had this thought of like whenever I was reading that part where he stabbed in the wood, it just go in very easily. Just, like you just slide oh, in, yeah. like oh, yeah. like like a, like, like a steak knife into potatoes, like um, butter. And and then I had this thought for some reason that Frodo was gonna actually have trouble pulling it back out. I don't, you know, have like I don't a, know why. A sword in the stone moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't happen at all like that, so no. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, but then, in addition, gives him a certain shirt of mail that had been given to Bilbo by Thorin. And, of course, this we know is made of mithril, which is a really precious uh, sort of uh, armor that was crafted by elves. So what I found really interesting is it, it says when he brought the parcel out it says it seemed to be rather heavy for its size mm-hmm. but then bilbo says it feels you don't feel any weight when you put it on mm-hmm. so i'm wondering like is is that like a magical property of mithril or is that just like saying like it is it is so well made that the weight is like super evenly distributed so it doesn't like pull on your shoulders well it's the the armor itself is so fine like i don't know if you've ever worn chain mail but i have um and it's heavy that's the most Katie thing you've ever said. No, I can honestly say I haven't. No, enlighten us, Katie. I've never had. That was the most Katie thing I've ever said. Uh, but any- I've worn glass armor. I don't know. But anyway, so I've worn chain mail and I've worn plate armor. And of course, chain mail is lighter than plate armor and it's more flexible, of course. But it's still really heavy, especially if it's not made out of a light material. So mithril is just the material is it's it's it can be made very thin but it's incredibly strong so that's what they're getting at i think though that so also, it's basically aluminum yeah and yeah, we can think about that yeah but uh i think also that it's referring to like that it looks heavier for the size because again it's it's so finely done it's such a thin uh material like any a, a, a normal chain normal chain mail in comparison to mithril would be a little thicker but there you go <laughs> There's some armor. Well, and also you can. Funsies. He makes a whole point about like you're gonna wear it probably underneath your clothes anyway because you can do that. Well, and that's the other thing too because Frodo makes a remark that's very <laughs> similar to what Bilbo had thought when he first put it on. Frodo says, "I I don't think it would look like I I would look weird wearing chainmail, you know." And Bilbo even says, "You know, I thought the same thing too." But you can just do me a favor and wear it under your clothes, uh, and don't tell anybody about it. <laughs> um. So, so he does. And then I also love this ex- this exchange right after it. Bilbo uh, tells him. So Frodo is now, he's now wearing the mithril shirt and then just his regular clothes over top of it. And Bilbo says, just a plain hobbit you look, but there is more about you now than appears on the surface. Good luck to you. And that is just such a great line. knowing what we know (laughs) theme of the book once again rears its head you know yeah 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 i got i got a little choked up yeah 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 absolutely because it it also reminded me of aspects like god like this whole part was like this chapter and parts of the previous chapter where bilbo was was the last chapter was the chapter before where bilbo was referencing the words spoken by thorin before he wait my there was a part where basically Thorin's words came out of like Bilbo's mouth at one point. Yeah. And that was another moment where it was like a little bit of the Hobbit's going to show up in this book <laughs> and it's going to like, I'm not nostalgic for this stuff, but something I was very nostalgic for this stuff. <laughs> so then as they're getting ready to leave, uh, they, they sing a song and Bilbo's like big request is, I don't know that you'll have time to keep a journal <laughs> But if you can collect songs for me... <laughs> and collect stories. <laughs> yeah. And then as they're leaving, uh, Boromir pulls out his horn and sounds his horn. Mm-hmm. And Elrond gets kind of mad because it's like echoing throughout the valley. This is a great Boromir <laughs> characterization don't, don't moment. 
Elrond is like, you shouldn't do that. It draws attention. Yeah. You know, do that when you're in Gondor and you're calling for help because nobody else knows what that means and is going to give you help except for when you're in Gondor. Mm-hmm. And Boromir is like, it's my tradition. I do it every time at the beginning of a journey. Thank you very much. I do what I want. And I and I love what he says. He says, I will not go forth as a thief in the night. He's like, I'm going to announce my grand departure for this huge quest. This is also the chapter where we get references to like what Boromir kind of looks like a little bit more than the previous chapter. Like, yeah. He's he's not taller than Aragorn, but he's bulkier. Yeah, like this is like kind of broader. a big, brash guy. Like that's just I, I just absolutely. I'm just, <laughs> just imagining a big, brash guy, like very solid and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and so as they're leaving, we we find out that there's actually a tenth member of the fellowship. Yeah, Bill, it's the, Bill, Bill the, the Pony. pony. Who, of course, now we know that Sam it actually does call him Bill the Pony. He's decided to name him Bill the Pony. He, he better come with us. Because if he if we, he doesn't come with us, he gets so sad he'd follow us anyway. And if he could talk, he could talk to me. And he would say all this stuff to you, but he wouldn't say it to me. He'd say it to me. You know, that's what that whole part read to me. Like I I wow. I love that was very I, impressive. I I adore the bond between Sam and Bill the Pony. It's it's the best thing. And I and I love that. Well, and it so Bill has you know flourished during his time in Rivendell of course because he's been eating the finest hay right um but then also we're told that so he he's going to carry a lot of supplies but we're told that he was the the one member of the company who didn't seem depressed to be going bill is like really excited that he's <laughs> cuz cuz he's a pony and has no idea what's going to happen hopefully he gets to eat you know, <laughs> but also I, I feel like I got a job. To he, yeah, do. he yeah he has purpose exactly. Ponies need purpose, and Bill has purpose now. He's got a job to do, and he's carrying all this stuff. And there's even a great moment where uh, Sam leans over to Bill and says something. The point is not that he says something. He says something like Bill's going to respond, and it just says, and Bill doesn't. And Bill yeah, silent. Bill says nothing in response. Yeah. Bill says nothing in response. I'm like this is a amazing book because <laughs> when i thought it was too lofty it got it got beautifully dumb and like not really dumb, but kind of like endearing and like this like yeah very small way yeah also before they leave elrond makes this big speech about if anyone it was actually kind of weird but it made sense of like i'm going to draft y'all but then like gives them this thing of like if you want to leave at any point down the road you can because mm-hmm. this is end of the age yeah. stuff and here is here is another kind of instance where i've talked briefly before about this where i also think so you know one of the huge themes of the book as we've seen before is that this whole you know things are not as they seem things are different than what they appear on the surface another one that we find is sort of this struggling between fate and free will and we have where oftentimes we see references to you know the things that are fated to happen like you know Bilbo was meant to find the ring and in the same vein Frodo was also meant to have it um it was meant to be Frodo who takes it you know to Mount Doom to destroy it it was meant to be a hobbit um but we also have so you know thing things are fated to happen but we also have free will and yeah elrond is very make makes a very good point of that that you know again like you said i've basically drafted you to do this task and go on this horrible horrible journey but you know you are by no means chained to anything you can you... leave what you want but remember that leaving later is harder than leaving early yep yep it's yeah the road is only going to be get harder the longer you go and then they leave yes. with no fan at all so well, <laughs> and 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 at this point the chapter changes dramatically right. and you would almost think that this would be a different chapter yeah actually when i was re- thinking back on it for some reason it felt like i had read two chapters well because like the council of elrond is like 30 to 35 pages on a morning mm-hmm. And here we get like 20 pages on what is basically three months. Mm -hmm. So they're traveling for a fortnight and things are kind of dreary and it's a little cold. And then they're in, um, they're in this field. And I love this. They're, they're surrounded by ancient holly trees Mm -hmm. that whose gray green trunks seem to have been built out of the very stone of the hills. I, I just loved that imagery because, you know, like, super old trees covered with lichen and all of that Mm -hmm. but then you know they're in this area and it's it says that this used to be 
an elven domain and it's not anymore but the land still remembers the elves and barely then just barely <laughs> and then legolas says that is true but the elves of this land were were not like my kind and i i don't feel a memory in the trees or in the in the grass only in the rocks right so and the elves who lived here left for the havens long 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 ago um, and that was, if you, you remember, you may remember, this this used to be a place called Eregion, and now it's called Hollen, and it was by the men who used to live there. So even the men who used to live there kind of don't dwell there anymore. Which was weird. Like, that mm-hmm. was, everything about this area seemed off-putting to me, even mm-hmm. though they were like, oh yeah, this is probably a good place for us to hang out for a while. Like, it felt really weird. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna I'm going to be a little super specific to my life here but what this reminded me of is relationship with ruins and with antiquity yeah and having lived on in an archaeological park while i was working on a site like you just get in this weird mood when you're surrounded by that 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 presence for so long like this is the most like stereotypically John thing I could possibly do, <laughs> but I used to listen to Wagner. I used to like walk around the Temple of Aphrodite oh, and listen to Wagner. What else would you do? Come on! You've had the most Katie statement and the most John <laughs> statement. Now I need to say something at some point about something. <laughs> but it just put me in this kind of like weird tranquility about history, mm-hmm. and like I can totally understand like kind of being in this similar situation of like feeling this presence but at the same time it's a little unsettling yeah because this great society doesn't exist anymore exactly so what hope is there for you yeah totally i i think we totally get that feeling from from that segment wow they, they especially what happens chapter sorry i'm looking and, at the map and this now is, and this is especially what happens next is when it gets really unsettling yeah because they're all really happy they're like this is this is still like a blessed area even if it's not as much as it used to be so we can kind of relax here and they're chilling out and then aragorn is like something is wrong it's, it's weird yeah it's too quiet weirdly quiet like normally there are birds here but we can't even hear birds well and and that night they kind of get proven correctly when a massive yep. like sam's on watch and he sees a massive cloud of birds yep and everyone just kind of like is told by aragorn to just be still because he's and hide because these birds are acting and sorry you could have finished that thought <laughs> oh sorry but yeah they they're like told to like hide and stuff because these birds are they're, they're acting weird mm-hmm. they're flying around in very weird ways they're like circling around and they're in this massive cloud and that's when aragorn's like paranoid i guess but it but reasonably so about like them potentially being spies right and and aragorn says or when aragorn you know says like it's too quiet gandalf says if you bring a ranger with you you listen to what the ranger has yeah. To say. yeah yeah like he 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 lives out here basically and all these things he he knows he knows these things there's also a point uh, made some point here about some debate between Gandalf and um, Aragorn that I I don't, I, don't, I didn't quite I don't quite I feel like it's 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 like teasing me for the next chapter because I don't quite get what they're debating about but they're debating about something oh yeah we'll get to that in a minute <laughs> I knew we would like <laughs> um but yeah so they they see this huge flock of birds and it's coming towards them and actually Aragorn recognizes them as carbine and they're from Fangorn Forest and from Dunland um and thinks that they very reasonably could be spies because again the black riders are not the only servants of the enemy there are many spies about and they could be birds they could be beasts they could be trees who knows um so they decide they need to move on after all tonight. And they have a plan. They want to go to the Redhorn Gate, which is over um, Caradhras, this, this pass over the mountain where they've been headed. But as they start heading that way, the weather just gets progressively worse. No, well, this doesn't yeah, happen yet. Yeah, not quite yet. So Frodo... At this point, this is when Frodo overhears this discussion between Gandalf and Aragorn. 
And they're kind of worrying about the path that they have to take. And so, you know, this this pass over Caradras is going to be very difficult. Uh, it, the weather is probably going to get bad and it's very treacherous. Aragorn says that past this particular pass, there are not too many until you get to the Gap of Rohan. And of course, we're concerned about going too close to Rohan right now because it seems to have already fallen to Saruman. Um, and so Gandalf at this point suggests, uh, and I'm quoting him exactly, the dark and secret way that we have spoken of. And Aragorn kind of immediately no, insists, no, 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 no. not until we have no other choice no, should, no, we, no, no, should no. we do that. So they decide they're going to go ahead and face the weather. Uh, they know it's going to be bad, but they're going to face the weather and try and make it over the pass. Because it sounds like the other option is worse. I mean, yeah, a storm is bad, but whatever this other one may offer is even worse. So, Right. They might not get blown off of a mountain, but still. <laughs> but, but, but something else apparently horrible uh, would await them there. So, um, Boromir actually thankfully suggests that everybody pick up some wood to bring along the way, because, uh, which, which turns out to be a good... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Boromir has shown himself but, to be... But, what was that? But, well, Gandalf says, okay, fine, we'll take the wood, but we're not going to do yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> right? Just load it up on that stupid pony. And because again, remember what is the name of the game with the fellowship right now? It's to be discreet. So mm -hmm. even building a fire, like they are trying to be so careful with uh, their visibility. Right? Light this fire, and I'm going to use my horn to light it. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm taking this moment as a PSA to say that discreet, C R E E T, means that you are being like subtle. Discreet, C R E T E, means that you are a unique and like disparate element. Do not confuse the two people. <laughs> That's what. That's one of my pet peeves when people don't know which discrete. I, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there we go. There was our vocabulary lesson for the day. <laughs> um, so they go on their way, and it starts to get very steep and difficult. And now it begins to snow, and then it begins to snow harder. And and Sam is like, I don't like this. Snow is only acceptable when you're at home in bed. I was going to say that Sam voices a rather popular opinion here because I know a lot of people who are like, I only like snow when I'm snuggled up under covers. Me, on the other hand, I'm like a puppy in it. Let me out to play. I got to go outside in it. I, I got to just stand in it for some reason. Right. Yeah. So they, there's even a mention here, uh, like regarding hobbits and snow, is that no living hobbit could remember the fell winter of 1311 when white wolves uh, invaded the Shire over the frozen brandywine, mm -hmm. except except Bilbo could. Right. So here it is established, and it was kind of hinted at earlier, but it's like very canonically established that Bilbo is the oldest living hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I must have missed that well, part. Remember, now, I remember I'm referencing the fact that no one remembered that, but wow, that's true, because he's a hundred and... I even know now. Billion. billion. Yeah, yeah, he's billion. billion. I, yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, Bilbo was given unnaturally a long life, right? Um, so this storm continues to get worse and worse, and Gandalf and Aragorn are kind of worried and wondering what they should do, and Boromir wonders if this is some kind of uh, action from the enemy, if this has been, if this isn't just any normal storm. Yeah, there was a note of, like, hearing voices on the wind. However, yeah. and I'm going to go back to my personal thing of, like, I've been in snowstorms before and walked through them. You hear things. Like, oh, I, yeah. I, I totally see where Tolkien's trying to evoke this, like, if you've ever been in a situation like this, you hear things, mm -hmm. you hear things that can sound like sometimes voices, mm -hmm. so it might just be the, the wind plant them. However, this is Middle-earth in a fantasy novel, so yes, it probably is most likely a curse <laughs> or something. I could believe it. So yeah, and, and it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility either for this to be Sauron or one of his buddies uh, giving us a particularly bad storm to go through. So they try to continue. They try to go on as far as they can. Um, they but end up just, it, like it just, it just gets harder and harder. And there's 
there's there's stones are falling and there there's no way they're going to be able to to get through this so they they try to take shelter sorry all they can do is basically stop yeah and try to light a fire but it just doesn't it just doesn't work out because they're just bl- bl- blitzing through all their wood. And even um, at this time, so Frodo is kind of drifting out of consciousness. He's going. He, he's saying that he's like feels that his toes are becoming warm. So like we're wondering, <laughs> is he getting frostbite? Is on yeah, his poor little hobbit uh... feet? And he's sort of drifting off to sleep and imagining Bilbo, I like this, imagining Bilbo being, like, disappointed about his diary entry saying that it snowed on this day or something. (laughs) Like, couldn't you have come up with something more exciting? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, November, whatever, like December something, it it snowed. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he is... And, 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 And Boromir at this point is the voice of reason, is saying, you know, this, we can't go on like this 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 will be the death of the halflings um they split up like this when we get the description of like aragorn being tall the tallest and then not not, not quite um this is when they light the yeah. fire oh i was i skipped ahead <laughs> i mean i skipped ahead in my description so so none of them actually can light a fire because it's like too soggy like the wood is too soggy and the wind is too high so Gandalf is like fine and he lights this like amazing technicolor dream fire Mm -hmm. and then Gandalf is like well I just put a sign up that anybody is like oh Gandalf's here (laughs) so so use it wisely exactly I I really liked that remark that was so um old man yeah (laughs) it's like a grumpy old man but also just like um we all know passive aggressive. No, no, but we all know those when um, this is like they have forced Gandalf to leave, and and he says it exactly like this. He says, "You have forced me to leave." A note here that says Gandalf was here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I we've all done that when we were kids. When you're somewhere and you write on something in pencil, like Katie was here, whatever, you know. I never did that. Okay, well, you didn't live. Then. I scratched into the wall. Oh well, that's that's more hardcore. But yeah, so Gandalf is uh, kind of fed up with that. Um, so now the snow stops. But Gimli actually knows there's going to be more snow, and everyone agrees we need to turn back. And now we have this great sort of, uh, like, witty repartee between some members of the Fellowship. <laughs> like, I called this Fellowship fodder, I don't know. Um, so Legolas wants Gandalf to burn the snow. And Gandalf's like, well, I can't burn the snow without something to work with. And then he makes this remark. He's like, if only elves could fly over the mountain and bring the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And then uh, Boromir basically says, well, fine. If 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 the the wizard can't do it and the elf can't do it, then I'll just use my body and push the snow. (laughs) And Boromir and Aragorn basically turn themselves into human plows. And and then. And then Legolas is like, the strongest must see- seek a way, say you, but I say let a plowman plow, but choose an otter for swimming and for running light over grass and leaf or over snow and elf. Farewell, I go to f- I go to find the sun. Yeah. And then Legolas just kind of like prances off, basically floating on top of the snow, like barely leaving footprints, mm-hmm. very quickly passing Legolas and Aragorn. Boromir and Aragorn. Does Legolas yes. pass himself? Uh yes. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. He's, he's that fast. <laughs> he's that fast and he's that light-footed on the snow. Um so pretty soon Legolas comes back and tells them thankfully the snow you know tapers off soon enough. We just have to get through the the uh the deep part. Um Gimli basically confirms that this was no ordinary storm then. This was definitely sent to us by someone. And then they they make their way back down the pass, and Boromir and Aragorn carry the hobbits, and uh, Gimli uh, is led on top of Build a Pony by by Gandalf. <laughs> and then you know, just as they get through this kind of difficult snow portion, more rocks fall, and it's like one last taunt from the mountain, basically. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we're leaving, we're leaving." Um, 
And again, they see kind of birds in the distance now as they're continuing to come back down this this pass. And Gandalf's like, well, we, we, we can't afford to worry about this. We have to get out of here now. Yeah, there you go. So at this point, we have our score is Caradras 1, <laughs> Fellowship 0. <laughs> yes. And the mountain defeated them. The mountain defeated them, indeed. That's it. I have no idea what's about to happen next. Like <laughs> that that that's the first chapter for this is like it just ends. Well, I'm like, I don't We have uh it's it seems like we're going to have a rather unpleasant alternative now to going over the pass of Caradras. Aragorn was very concerned about it. Because so. they don't I mean, Tolkien doesn't necessarily <laughs> He doesn't show his hand of what the next chapter is about. Nope. nope. All I have is a title. That's it. Yep. <sighs> All right, and now on to our favorites. Uh, we're kind of expanding this section a little bit, not just from our favorite moment in the text, but yes, our favorite moment in the text, also including just kind of our favorite moment in the past week because, you know, we have lives outside of the show and we consume media that's not just Tolkien, and we want to share it with you because it's really enjoyable. So um, my favorite moment from the text, at least, is at the very end, I think, the image of Gimli <laughs> riding on Bill the Pony. Like, I just find that kind of inherently Well, he, he seems like the kind of guy, he's like a, he's like a, a, like, the dwarves are around the same height as the hobbits. A little bit taller. I always taller. imagine a little bit taller. A little bit taller, yeah. But kind of like a brick. Like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a brick stack on top of that yeah. pony. <laughs> Well, they when they were filming the movies, it was actually super convenient because John Reese Davies was higher than all. Uh, I mean, taller. That's the word we <laughs> use for human height. Uh, right. He was taller than the four actors they had cast to play the Hobbits. So rather than having to film him separately to get his own perspective, they filmed mm-hmm. him with the Hobbits, and that was like super convenient. That worked out super well for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite part? My favorite part. Oh, I I really liked all the parts where Bilbo and Frodo were talking mm-hmm. about stuff. <laughs> they were they were talking about referencing things from The Hobbit, mm-hmm. and I've noticed that I've actually really liked any moment in this book that evokes. It's the right word, right? The the Hobbit anyway, even subtly, mm-hmm. and felt the weight of the situation in that moment like it was like it was like bilbo is like all like oh it's like when i went on this trip and and when i did this stuff and it's like no old man <laughs> everything is different and everything is horrible like this is gonna get worse <laughs> because like this is the, also the first chapter where they are they have gone the opposite they have they're not going the same direction as they did in the hobbit they're now going a different direction they're on a new different path so I just that yeah it just kind of came to a point of like oh it's like oh yeah the hobbit was all fun and great but things are much darker and much more serious and the stakes are higher i do yeah. think it's kind of funny like bilbo is so excited to see frodo off but little yeah. does he know that where bilbo returned with like a great story and a bunch of money frodo is going to return like irrevocably scarred both physically and emotionally frodo has a very different sort of adventure that he's going on well and he keeps like saying like oh you'll come back with great stories I'm like, or he'll come back dead like i mean <laughs> let's be let's be serious this is not like we're gonna go like have fun times with this weird dragon you know this is <laughs> this is some serious stuff uh, and of course not to trivialize anything in the hobbit no there I mean, were I'm some, not. Just... <laughs> there were some some pretty uh intense things too but but absolutely frodo is uh, up against something that's on an entirely different spectrum Mm-hmm. No more, no riddles in the dark with some yeah. <laughs> dragon. So my favorite uh, from the text this week has to be just Bilbo saying to Frodo that you look like just a plain hobbit, but there's so much more to you than meets the eye. Yeah, I, that was that's absolutely one of my favorite bits. Might even be one of my favorite parts of the whole book too. One of. We, we we know that there would there were, are many of, of favorite parts of the whole book for me. <laughs> we kind of had kind of had the fa- same favorite part because that's kind of yeah, similar. Yeah. yeah, I would have assumed it was the whole part where Sam's talking about build a pony. I mean, that's a pretty great one too. And I I tried really hard to only mention one this time. <laughs> does that come? 
Does, it, does that just continue? Is him talking with Bill the Pony just a thing? <laughs> Sam Sam has grown to love Bill the Pony. I I would too. <laughs> right? I'm not holding that against He's him. He's a very so. endearing little pony. <laughs> Sorry, all I can think of is in Bob's Burgers when Tina's like, no, this is my porcelain horse. Horcelain. Horcelain. (laughs) Oh my God. So today I was at a cafe um, and I was at my friend's cafe and I was just kind of hanging out, killing time there. And at the table next to me was this probably five or six year old girl and I assume her mother. And I overheard the girl like, thank you so much for getting me Celestia. And I looked over and the girl Ah. had this like giant princess Celestia from my little pony. And she was like so excited to, to have it. And it made me really happy because, um, like, you know, my ex was a brony and, I, I watched a lot of that show with him and I understand why people like it, but it, it still kind of weirds me out that that show like is not entirely a safe space for kids. So it just like mm-hmm. made me happy to see like a kid have a My Little Pony thing and be like super happy for it. At the same time, yeah. a couple of weeks ago, my grandma bought without even realizing what she was doing. She bought an Applejack doll, like stuffed doll. That's the size of my niece because my niece is 18 months old. So my niece now has <laughs> has this like giant stuffed Applejack. And <laughs> it's, it's funny because my niece is very clearly already a rarity and not an Applejack. <laughs> can, can, can she ride it? Is she that small or is she too big for that? No, she's not really the right size for that. Yeah, it's funny. That she calls funny. it she calls it a puppy because it just kind of has that body shape. <laughs> Cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So Chase, I think you had a favorite thing. Oh yeah. From the week. <laughs> okay, 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 <laughs> okay. I like to cook dinner um, and stuff, so I'm, I'm not gonna start it like that. I'm just, but I like to, I like to watch really bad movies. Like I just that's a thing of me. I just I went and saw the last Witcher in theaters mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago and loved it because it was the right kind of bad. But this week I just got a whim and saw that uh, the Hercules movie from last summer that stars The Rock. Oh yeah. It was on Hulu, and I was like, we should just totally make dinner and watch this. And so I have, you know, I thought it was just going to be one of those movies where you watch it, and you're just sitting there going like, this is this is dumb. It, but it's 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 passable. It was actually really, really good, because the whole movie was, like, breaking down how, like, the story of Hercules is kind of probably not true in this world, and it's <laughs> actually just fabrications of his buddies, and it's just in this big... Legend and Ian McShane's in it as like this like guy who's like talking with the gods and like says like oh yeah I know all this stuff about my death and it's hilarious I don't know what I can't I can't fully articulate it, but if you could just like find that Hercules movie it's actually a lot of fun I might have to watch it because I I remember when it came out I kind of disregarded it even though I do really adore Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> um, I, I yeah I just so maybe I'll have to. I mean, give you gotta it, watch it for the it cast because it's it's him, Ian McShane, like Joseph Fiennes, who just popped up out of nowhere, and I was nice. like, what? Uh, what else has he been in lately? <laughs> yeah, John Hurt popped up in it. A bunch Always. of what? a bunch of yeah, John Hurt. I'm not gonna spoil it, but John Hurt <laughs> is a really awesome character. Okay, and, and it's got and for the for like. It's got horrible CGI, but whatever. So just... when you say John Hurt is an awesome character, I just imagine John Hurt is Hydra, and every time they cut John Hurt's head off, he grows two more. He grows two more. No, but also the movie has like the best in credit sequence ever. There's nothing wrong with guilty pleasures. Just last night, I was sitting in a it's bar, such, yeah. and I was sitting in a bar in Nolita with my two friends, like trying to get them to watch Sense Eight. And I explained the premise, and they're like, "That sounds like the most Wachowski thing ever." And I was like, "I know, I just love the Wachowskis so much." Uh, <laughs> and then I was like, "I know the Wachowskis. It's like it's like a deep fried mac and cheese nugget. Like it's it's something that is <laughs> it, it's something that is objectively bad, but I love it." Uh. I was about to say something about. I mean, it's. I mean, this would be kind of like I don't know. Like I. I kind of like almost past like it's actually like it's got stuff in it that it's doing that i'm like this is probably the best brat ratner movie he's made but whoever wrote it is a hardcore is <laughs> better than a... tower heist i don't even know what that is so i'm not gonna respond to it <laughs> but it, it, it's the person who wrote it actually was good enough to like actually seed this movie with like uh characters from classic mythology and 
they're they're like it's like a comic book of course but mm-hmm. the characterizations are actually kind of on point in many ways and i was i always appreciate that i i was pleased with it in many ways it's also just so dumb but like dumb <laughs> in all the right ways <laughs> all right katie do you have any recommendations for us um well so my i guess my favorite part of the week was um so this past week I went to see The Martian with my mom and my dad. Um, now, I had seen it previously. I went with John at the, to the drive-in to and see John. it. And John. You went with John and John. And, and uh, Yeah, John I went, I went with John and John. Um, but I couldn't really see it. Um, and also, there was something wrong with the projector like at the, like for the first 15 minutes of the movie. So I couldn't see that and also i just didn't have a very good angle so i couldn't really see much of the movie that's disappointing. which is not well, a we good were way to experience the drive-in that movie. like that's just oh like, yeah yeah i mean it was it, it was yeah. fine because it was the drive-in so i was so i wanted to see it again and my mom hadn't seen it yet neither did my dad so we we all went and um i also had previously read the book i just you know blitzed through it because it's a it's a page turner um and so my favorite part of this week was the the fact that they call uh, the Rich Purnell maneuver thing. They 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 called it the Elrond or Project <laughs> Elrond. <laughs> it's just so um, good because Sean it's, Bean it's is so in good. the room. Exactly. The only thing I wanted was I wanted for Sean Bean to to have a one does not simply line. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Speaking of which, can we talk about this Ben Carson meme where it's Ben Carson, I simply walked into Mordor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was great. Ben Carson is just comic um fodder. Fodder for me. Yeah. <laughs> the the thing about that scene also is when Jeff Daniels says call me Glorfindel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If if we're going to call it Project Elrond, I want to be Glorfindel. <laughs> Very rarely in my life have I been the only one in the theater screaming with laughter because I get that I, reference. <laughs> I didn't expect it and I got it and I had to, I almost had to leave the theater cuz it hit me so like specifically cuz we've been just doing this podcast and it just <laughs> The first time that happened to me is when I was watching King Kong and, you know, I was like 17 or 16. And there's that line where Jack Black is like, "You, I'm somebody you can trust. I'm a movie producer. Yeah. And yeah. I just like, started cackling and nobody else just in the like, theater was it. like, why is this funny? Well, uh, back when uh, Pineapple Express came out, there's actually a great joke that only I would laugh at because it's a band I really like. But Jack, or, or, um, I hate the movie, but there's this great line where Seth Rogen says, you'll be going to college and you'll get into music like Godspeed You Black Emperor. <laughs> Godspeed Black Emperor is this prominent Canadian post-rock band that basically only I listen to. <laughs> and so I flipped flipped out in the theater when You're I like, that. that line was written for me, specifically. I went to college and I totally got into Godspeed <laughs> Black Emperor. <laughs> uh. All right, well, I think that kind of wraps it up for this week. Yep. Uh, I also want to very quickly say thank you to our Patreon support some 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 supporters supporters. Uh, thank you so much if you have given us a dollar or uh, or any other number of dollars. Um, we really appreciate it, and it helps us to create ads, and also it helps us to uh, fund things such as buying books and microphones and whatnot and web hosting. Yeah, so we really appreciate it, guys. And as always, uh, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes and or Stitcher. Uh, I know it's become a platitude among podcasters, but it really is helpful when people just click that five star. You get to go to the Gray Havens if you give us five stars. <laughs> okay, now it's like the Catholic Church and we're granting an indulgence from purgatory. <laughs> oh, my word. It's like if you rate the Pope cast five stars, you'll skip straight to heaven when you die. <laughs> is there a Pope cast? No, I don't think so. No. Man, but what you could also do uh, is sign up for our newsletter. We are going to start sending out a newsletter um, with just some uh, news bits from the week, as well as maybe some bloopers from our recording sessions, because we know we certainly have them. Uh, <laughs> so, if you would be interested in uh, receiving a bi-weekly newsletter from us, you can go to talkingtoking.com/signup. Yeah, there. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Bill the Pony. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated.